0: to the Pay Chen show on in-depth radio news talk 1010
1: hey hey thanks for joining me tonight uh, happy sunday evening to you all it's not that nice outside but it's winter so we're going to deal with it uh wondering how many of you know a really spoiled dog and i'm sure you if it's not your pet then it's someone that you know who who babies their pet text in Tell me about it, 7-10-10. Uh, the reason I bring this up is because my brother was in Victoria visiting my aunt and uncle. They are, they are older. My uncle is well into his 70s right now. And uh, don't get me wrong, I love dogs. I grew up with dogs as pets. Uh, if I didn't live in such a small condo in Toronto, I would absolutely uh, you know, adopt a pet from the Humane Society. But when I had dogs growing up, this was before people bought clothes for their dogs, like for fashion, like bought little skirts or, you know, polo shirts and things that weren't about maybe, you know, keeping a dog warm in the winter. So, um, for example, my friend's dog wears cashmere sweaters. I don't even wear cashmere sweaters. Uh, and this dog is never outside. Like the dog goes outside to pee and poo and then comes back in. So it's not like the dog needs to be kept warm when it's outside and it needs cashmere sweaters. Um, So my brother sent me a series of photos when he was visiting my uncle and uh, my uncle has a little dog. It's a pug. It's very adorable. I would guess the dog is about five years old. Um, Her name is Sunny and my aunt and uncle don't have any children together. So Sunny is their child. That means Sunny, the pug is actually essentially my cousin and my uncle who has like hip problems. He's diabetic. He's got a series of health problems. Um, they spoil this dog they have no idea that the dog has basically trained its humans to do whatever she wants so for example sunny i did not know this usually sits in the passenger side of my uncle's car they don't they never leave sunny alone sunny always has to go with one of them when they're out they're both retired so when i went to visit my uncle a couple of years ago he picked me up at the airport and of course naturally i get into the passenger side of the car And then Sunny is in the back seat. She's pacing and she's whining and she's trying to paw at me, you know, when the car stopped. And uh, my uncle says, oh, you're in her seat. She sits in the front. So he wasn't technically kicking me out of the seat. He was just telling me that I was in her seat and she was very upset and she was very distressed and she was whining in the back. So again, please tell me I'm not alone here. You can share your text. Tell me if you happen to know someone who really spoils their dog. Uh, 71010. Um, So a few years ago, Sunny also had surgery on her back leg, or maybe it was both, but it was at least one leg that required her to be very um, still and not jump around, obviously, so that she could heal properly. So my aunt and uncle found it really hard to keep Sunny from trying to jump because she likes to jump onto the couch or she likes to jump onto their laps when they're eating dinner. Uh, She likes to jump onto the bed, for example, when they're sleeping and they don't. I guess they can't crate her because she whines and whimpers the whole time. So uh, she was always trying to jump up to get at them. So what my aunt and uncle did, reminder, they have health problems. Uh, they have some arthritis. He has a bad hip. Uh, they slept on the floor for a week with Sonny so that Sunny was not alone and to keep Sonny from obviously jumping up to try and join them. They slept on the floor. An old... Old little couple slept on the floor to keep their dog company. Uh, Sunny also sits at the table during dinner like a human, like my human cousin. She's an adorable dog, but that dog rules the house. And I know she's not the only one. Someone just uh, (laughs) texted in and said that um, their parents refer to their dog Bella, who is a black wiener dog, as her black sister. So there you go. Dogs are a member of the family. Absolutely. But sometimes you have to draw the line. You have to let them know who's boss. Uh Coming up on the show tonight, lots of great, great topics. Chef Ricardo Larive will join me to talk about uh, highlighting recipes across Canada in the latest issue of his cooking magazine. It's a really beautiful magazine. Um, and he has these recipes, soup recipes actually, because I think nothing is better than a nice bowl of soup on a Terrible winter day like today. Um, But he features great ingredients and recipes coast to coast. And I'll also be giving away two Thai Kitchen gift baskets later in the show. Uh, Thai Kitchen is a brand of uh, these great Thai ingredients that you can buy at pretty much any grocery store. Um, I'm sure you've seen them. So they've got things like coconut milk, fish sauce, curry paste. uh, Really great easy ways for you to make some of your maybe favorite dishes at home without it being too complicated. Now... No matter where you live in the GTA, I'm sure you have quite a mix of cultures and food available to you. And you really need to recognize that we are very lucky to live in a place where we can try food from so many different countries and cultures. And you might take that for granted if you grew up in the GTA. uh, But I have spent, well, half of my life in like small towns or small cities where you never had access to authentic food from different cultures and trust me your taste buds can get pretty bored of things like burgers pizza and fried chicken after a while so I do have a guest in studio with me right now I have uh, Trevor Louis who knows a thing or two about introducing new flavors to the city now Trevor you have an interesting food background um, and I know you've got two distinct food businesses businesses one is La Brea And that is sort of like a mashup of, is it Mexican and Asian foods?
2: Yeah, Mexican cuisine, which is our constant, and all things Asian, which we play around with. So everything from Thai, like you mentioned, to Chinese, Japanese, some Filipino, Malaysian, Indonesian. But Mexican's always the constant flavor in our food for that particular brand, yeah.
1: So La Brea, uh, people will find... um, at, it's a pop-up, so you would be, for example, we were just saying before the show that you were at, uh, was it the Royal Winter Fair?
2: Yeah, we uh, set up the Royal Winter Fair for 10 mm-hmm. days. We talked about we have been at the Toronto Festival of Beer. We do a lot of pop-up uh, fun events, uh, and we do private catering and uh, and launch parties and brand ambassadorship as well. So
1: so tell me, because I'm trying to picture it, what would a dish be? like? Tell me about a popular dish that you would have that was a mashup of Mexican and Asian of some sort.
2: It's funny, as I hear you talking about uh, giving away some uh, fun Thai ingredients, uh, we did a demo last year at a, at a big show and someone said, you know, we want you to use uh, basmati rice and we want you to use something that could be Thai. Could you do something fun? So we said, hey, listen, who doesn't like tacos? So we actually Everybody did, loves, tacos. loves tacos. Everyone loves tacos, right? So we actually did a uh, Thai curry chicken taco. Uh, and coconut milk um, with basmati rice, uh, which we crisped up and we put in the taco. Yeah. And so, but we used, you know, uh, very traditional Mexican style cooking techniques. So we made sure we used authentic corn tortillas, and mm-hmm. it was it was a lot of fun, you know, being able to mash up all those flavors together into one bite. So,
1: because often when you go out, you get sort of like one ethnicity or an, another. You know, maybe yeah. a little fusion. I mean, I, I think of like Asian fusion and what that kind of meant and didn't mean for a very long time. It was like a dish that was kind of Asian-ish.
2: Asian, <laughs> yeah. And and so, you know, the our inspiration uh, from La Brea was from our travels out in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Uh, traveling on a street actually called La Brea, which ran from one end of town to the next. And all we could find were these fun food trucks that fused predominantly Mexican and Korean ingredients. And we said, well, if they we can do Korean and Mexican, why can't we do everything else? yeah. Uh, you know one of our most popular dishes um is something we call guacamame. What is that? We Want to take a guess?
1: <laughs> well I would say that it's avocado guacamole and um no maybe with with edamame beans. You
2: got it. So we add edamame in there so And you mash it, that up? We mash it all up so it's a, you know it's definitely a little more high in protein content a little different consistency delicious. but it's really really fun. And then we do a different version of that called a sriracha mama. And then, so what we do is we add sriracha into it. So mm-hmm. a sriracha mama is guacamame with sriracha and some birds eye these, chili.
1: It's all these words that I, f- <laughs> like that sound made up and I feel like if someone didn't know what they were and their child was like guacamame and whatever, sriracha mame, you'd be like, what? You're making up these crazy words. Yeah. Um, sounds delicious. And I know you have a new restaurant that's opening very soon in Toronto uh, called Camp Pie. And uh, after the break, we're gonna talk a little bit more about that because the minute I read something on on Twitter about it. I was like, I need to know about this place. This is a place I need to go to once it's open and it's going to be I think it's going to introduce a lot of new flavors to the city, and we're going to talk a little bit more about, I guess, the the new trends that we're seeing in the GTA um, and where the, the dishes are going and the new flavors that we're looking at, and also just to talk a little bit about how easy-ish it can be to recreate some of your favorite foods at home. So Trevor Louis joins me, and he will be back right after the break. You're listening to The Pei Chen Show on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010,
0: This is The Pei Chen Show on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010.
1: Hey, welcome back. Well, to maybe sort of warm you up on a cold, dreary winter night, I've got uh, Trevor Louie in studio with me. Uh, Trevor has quite an interesting background in food. Currently, he is a partner in two different food businesses. One is La Brea, which is a pop-up, which means that they go to a lot of different events that might have food. So uh, the Royal Winter Fair or different food events, the beer festival, that sort of thing. That's where you would find La Brea. Um, You've got a new restaurant that's opening up in Cabbage Town, soon-ish. Um, soon-ish. <laughs> I know, fingers crossed. There's always delays. There's yes. always issues when opening a new business. But uh, Kampai snack bar. Now, the reason why this caught my eyes because I saw it being listed as a Taiwanese street food snack bar. And my background is Taiwanese, born there, but raised in Nova Scotia. And I grew up eating whatever my mom made. Whether that was Taiwanese or not, I'm not really sure. So even when people would ask me things like, well, what's Taiwanese food? I didn't really know. I just knew what my mom cooked, and it was. It's only been since I have uh, lived in Toronto and had friends from different cultures and friends who've traveled or maybe lived and you know taught English in Taiwan for a bit who could actually identify for me certain foods that they knew as distinctly Taiwanese. I can't think of many Taiwanese places in the city. Even when I go into Chinatown, um, there may be perhaps some Taiwanese influences in some dishes, but nothing to me that speaks exclusively of the island. So what kind of food will you be having at Kampai?
2: You know, Pei, it's it's interesting you brought the fact up about what Taiwanese food is. As I We did a little more research into the dishes that we wanted to do we quickly realized that some of the dishes that we do see in Chinatown or in some restaurants do have Taiwanese influence. And so you look at things like tea leaf eggs uh, or uh, this whole culture with fried chicken. You know, The Taiwanese have an amazing fried chicken culture, especially mm-hmm. in street food with uh, Taiwanese popcorn chicken and a Taiwanese fried chicken, both dishes that w- we'll be doing. There's a lot of cold dishes. Uh, very much, I, I like to call it, we're going to be calling it Taiwanese antipasto because they do mm-hmm. tons of these... Cold cured dishes, whether it's cured meat, and then you talk about this whole you know head to tail eating movement. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's tons of that in Taiwan, and
1: they don't so, waste anything. Well,
2: no, they don't <laughs> waste. But you know, I feel all
1: n- most other countries don't waste anything.
2: Yeah, I think I think it's very common, but it's very pronounced in Taiwanese culture as mm-hmm. well. We launched um, our first public appearance a couple of weeks ago at an event at the Drake, and uh, we decided to do pig ear salad. Uh, and hey,
1: That's a little different for some people.
2: It is, but it was a night filled with food people, which were bartenders and chefs, and we figured if we can get by these guys, we can probably get it by some other people. So, so uh,
1: the food people tend to be perhaps a little bit more adventurous, more sure. willing to try something they haven't eaten before. But for the general public, uh, it might sound a little like oh, pig's ears. That's yeah. usually a dog treat.
2: Yeah, so the pig ear will be on one side and the fried chicken will be on the other (laughs) side.
1: (laughs) So you can make your way across the menu.
2: We want people to be able to slowly, gradually move over to something that they may not have tried before. But we're going to have some really fun um, dishes that will be revolving around our fryer because, Mm -hmm. you know, the night markets of Taiwan are infamous, probably the... Most popular when it comes to street food culture right now in the world. So really? Frying food and grilling food is huge in Taiwan. And
1: grilling, especially. That's yes. what I remember from, you know, my trips there as a teenager was just going through the night market and eating all kinds of different candied things on sticks, grilled squid, grilled quail, whatever it was. Um, and just like that would be dinner. You would just go and you would it, like sample.
2: And And so that's part of uh, what we what I learned was uh, the Japanese influence in Taiwanese culture. And there was lots of Japanese uh, influence, and that's a teppanyaki influence. So we're gonna be building our own custom charcoal grill within the restaurant in our kitchen, so That's we'll have cool. our own grill influence. Mm-hmm. We've got about 20 or so items that'll be fixed on our menu that will be coming off the grill, but that doesn't include stuff that we'll be experimenting with. Things that you, know, that you might see a little more food forward in restaurants these days. We might be playing around with some stuff, but so we will have all the proteins and seafoods and yeah. vegetables on the grill. Then we'll do tons of frying. We're gonna fry tofu, we're gonna fry- This sh-
1: is not diet food.
2: It's not diet food, <laughs> but we do, have some, we do have some salad dishes. You but- really? Salad? Yeah, you know, the Chinese and Taiwanese don't eat a lot of salad. No, but they we're gonna, don't. We're gonna, well, we eat pig, pig your salad.
1: Okay. That's, well, it doesn't have any greens, but... <laughs> There's, there's, no kale in, there's, there's no kale scallions. in there.
2: We will have a dish with kale, believe it or really? not. Really? I we eat kale will. all the time. We will. we will. Kale is popular, and we're in Cabbage Town. It's a very healthy, forward neighborhood as yeah, well. Yeah, so well,
1: it's named after cabbage. You... <laughs> <laughs> it's a shame to not include the, that and, infamous uh, food in some way. Now, it's interesting because I wanted to know about your sort of your background because um, we haven't spoken a lot before you came on the show. Sure. And I asked, I was like, well, are you Taiwanese? And you're not, but your chef is.
2: He is. Yeah, he's uh, straight from uh, outside of Taipei. Uh, he's been in Canada for five years. He's 26 years old, but he's an absolute talent, especially uh, his knife skills and his walk skills. Uh, tremendous. So we're really excited to have him sort of share his knowledge uh, in Toronto, specifically in the downtown area, which is lacking this hub of taiwanese food for the people Mm -hmm. so i
1: think um you know i think people who live in the 905 areas have much better access to taiwanese food and restaurants that may may feature taiwanese dishes um but your your family background is quite interesting because you were born here but your family your parents are from hong kong correct yeah and they had a restaurant as well
2: yeah i mean uh so on my dad's side, it was a it was a restaurant family in Hong Kong. But my father moved here in the late '60s uh, and ended up get, going into the restaurant business as well. So, but
1: what was his background
2: in Hong Kong? He was an actor and a drummer.
1: Was he fairly well known?
2: You know, back in the '60s, there were only a couple of cover bands that were popular. And my dad was in one of them. So wow. he played with he played with someone with the name of Alan Tam, who is he's probably like you know the Elton John of the Hong Kong pop wow. scene now.
1: That's pretty cool, though. He
2: should have stayed, you know, Yeah. <laughs> but maybe I would have been born, but he wanted to go to Hollywood after that, so. Yeah. but never made it.
1: <laughs> and so he was an actor as well.
2: <laughs> he was, and his aspiration was to follow his acting dream and plan a trip to Hollywood wow. by way of Toronto.
1: But instead he came to Toronto. Uh,
2: and, yeah, or... and met my mother.
1: Okay. And then they, they had a restaurant.
2: My dad opened a restaurant. And, and what kind of
1: food do, were they making? You know that It was not re- Pig's ear salad. No, I it wasn't Pig's ear
2: salad, but you know, uh, Chinese food that's near and dear to maybe your heart and my heart, things mm-hmm. like chop suey and chicken balls.
1: Mm-hmm. So yeah.
2: Canadian style North American Chinese food.
1: Which is actually what people thought was Chinese food, that's you know, right. just a few decades ago. And I think the North American palate has come a long way. A long and, way. And uh, because that's, you know, the joke with my parents who also uh, made fast food, you know, when they immigrated here, is that it wasn't the food that we ate at home, um, but it was the food that they felt North Americans were comfortable eating, because it was kind of sweet, it was fried, you know, it was salty, Um, but now, you know, there are a lot of, it's not just, and I think this is the interesting thing, and this is what I really like about a city as diverse as Toronto, is that, um, you know, authentic Asian food isn't just for Asians you'll find all different cultures, um, you know, authentic. Uh, well, it's like Italian food is just, is everywhere. And it's not just Italians who eat it. Greek, same, you know.
2: Yeah. And so uh, you take a look at the evolution of Asian food in the city. You know, years ago, we were talking about going for Thai food and be Pad Thai. But now people want to go, let's go for northern Thai food. And, you know, most most of my friends that are non-Asian generally want to experiment with going to Asian restaurants. And the talk's always not just about Chinese food and Japanese food. But let's go for Korean barbecue and let's mm-hmm. go for Vietnamese boon and all this fun stuff that we're very familiar with and very accessible to in Toronto.
1: Yeah, and, I, and we're so—honestly, we're very lucky to very be lucky. able to just— you know, maybe drives to a pla- like drive to a plaza or walk into a Chinatown and have access to that. Um, so I'm looking forward to all those things that you're going to have on the menu. Uh, what would you like to see really take off in the city?
2: Uh, in terms of, you know, I think, number one, the understanding of what Taiwanese food is is, is going to be fun. Mm-hmm. We're going to be doing some great spins on uh, our cocktail program because we want to welcome— all walks of life into our place. Not just to eat, but to enjoy a good cocktail at any time of the day. We're gonna be open seven days a week, uh, but we're gonna have some fun spins on on some of our food. Like, so for our fried chicken, we want our fried chicken dish to really take off because we're gonna do it like we know how we do it growing up. You can get a three piece, you can get a bucket, or you can order the family platter, right? So we're gonna do fun stuff like that. Yeah, uh, we're gonna have a great Taiwanese spin on the Canadian cocktail of the Caesar. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're going to do a really fun version What's, of the Caesar. What
1: will make it different?
2: Well, we're going to use, rather than a lot of the traditional uh, seasonings that you would find in a traditional Caesar, but we'll use Asian ingredients. So we'll mm-hmm. use a mixture of fish sauce and, and soy sauce. Instead of a um, salted rim, we're going to use togarashi, uh, and then we are going to ask, actually cask our Caesar mix all in advance in large format bottles with the seasoning in it. And so when it comes to your table, you get to pour your own. Uh, table side. So be you know, fun.
1: you mentioned an ingredient that I've just started using more of, which is fish sauce. Yeah. And, I, and I want to remind people that I am giving away a Thai kitchen gift basket, which includes their fish sauce, coconut milk, uh, and their some of their curry paste. So really great ingredients for you to try and experiment with at home. But fish sauce is not typically Taiwanese. But the first time I ever took a cooking class with a few of my friends in my 20s, we did a Thai Uh, cooking class and the recipe called for curry paste and fish sauce and coconut milk. Three things I'd never purchased in my (laughs) life. So I go to the grocery store and I buy and I only ever use the fish sauce for that particular recipe. But now I understand that like I'll add it to soup because it's like it has a little bit of salty but it's savory. It's that umami sort of it's
2: Yeah, it's essentially fermented fish and sea salt right? Which sounds
1: terrible. It smells bad. Do not taste it on its own but I guarantee that people if they start If they have fish sauce, um, they will learn to season their food with it. The way that you might use soy sauce, for example, you could use it in so many different ways.
2: I I call it the durian of... Condiments, you know, because
1: durian is a fruit that is smells horrid,
2: but tastes amazing. <laughs> but tastes good, <laughs> right? <laughs> yes, so, that's right. <laughs> so you know, uh, you know, you talk about ingredients to replace it and use fish sauce. You know, a lot of people are using it as an anchovy replacement.
1: Well, someone said to me, someone who is a well-known, uh, a great food writer, said, you know what, fish sauce is essentially liquid anchovies. It will a little, a few drops of that in any dish will boost the flavor immediately. Absolutely.
2: I like to use it if I have a dinner party and I'm Mm -hmm. doing a raw bar with oysters. Mignonette with fish sauce is awesome.
1: And and you're not heavy-handed with it. That's the key. I don't want anyone out there with fish sauce to start dumping (laughs) half a bottle into something. It's like a few drops to add some great flavor. Um, And thank you so much. You brought me some traditional Taiwanese bubble tea. You're welcome. But you're not going to have bubble tea at your new place.
2: We will not. And the reason why we won't have bubble tea, at least not as a constant fixture, is that we want people to understand that Taiwanese food is just not bubble tea.
1: That might be what (laughs) most people, their introduction to Taiwanese Food yes. is bubble tea, Correct. but there's a lot more to it. So, Kempai, uh, we'll look forward to that opening in Cabbage Town in the next few months.
2: A couple we- few weeks, hopefully. Few weeks? A few okay, weeks? Okay, hopefully. great. Yeah.
1: Um, looking forward to that. Thank you so much, Trevor, for your time and for joining me tonight. Thanks for having me here. And uh, just a reminder that I will be giving away those two Thai Kitchen gift baskets later on in the show, so keep listening. Also, after the break, Chef Ricardo chats superfoods and capturing the flavors of Canada. You're listening to The Pei Chen Show on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010.
0: You're listening to The Pay Chen Show on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010.
1: Well, the man behind uh, Canada's new cooking magazine joins me now to talk about uh, comfort foods and how his team developed soup recipes that reflect Canada's different landscapes. So Chef Ricardo's on the line. Hi, Ricardo.
3: Hello, how are
1: you? Hey, I'm, I'm doing really well, and I absolutely love the latest issue of your magazine.
3: Thank you so much.
1: Now, you really captured winter in Canada, and as much as we all complain about winter, it's just, it's yeah. a fact of life. Like, we're stuck with it for half the year.
3: It is, but we love to complain about it, and and uh, as I always say, you know, it's great because because of winter, we have to be more creative. We have to, I mean, we have to have everything, like like four like, for wardrobes, for everything, and when it comes to food, it's the same thing. Uh, when Cold is just catching up. All of a sudden, we feel like oh, more stew, stew, soup, heavy desserts, and we, we, I mean, we just cuddle at home, and we want to <laughs> eat a different type of food.
1: So let's talk about your cross Canada. Soup recipes. I think soup is a you know quintessential yeah. winter comfort food because it you know it warms up your belly, it makes you feel good. Also, I have been on this crazy kick this winter where I just make soup all the time. Like, and my mom called me. My mom's in Halifax, and she called me last week, and she said, "What are, what are you having for dinner?" And I said, "Soup." And she said, "Every time I call you, you're eating soup." And it just, I'm like, "This is what I want to eat." But in your issue, you you um, have thirteen soup recipes that represent. 13 different areas.
3: We just had this crazy idea about I would asking 13 photographers from across the country and, and ask them, could you take on February 28th, all of you, same day, a picture of a house that represents the place where you live in the country from from Newfoundland. To, uh, to uh, British Columbia. And so we get a, a beautiful set of picture of who Canada is in the middle of winter. And it's just so beautiful because it, it comes from their perspective. So probably if you look at the picture of British Columbia, mm-hmm. where there's no mountain and it's an old barn with the, the snow and across a across field. It's not what it was coming to my mind first, but this is through the eyes of this artist. And we took the pictures of every, you know, house tr- throughout the country, and we created a recipe that goes along with it. And, and sometimes we've been inspired by the landscape, sometimes by the history, the, 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 the climate. But we have created things that to us represent Manitoba, Saskatchewan, wherever you are in the country.
1: Now, how did you go about doing that? Because all the recipes are very distinct. So just for, you know, an example for the listeners, um, the recipe that you have to represent British Columbia is Mm -hmm. a sesame, salmon, and wonton soup. And I would have never guessed that wontons would have been included in any of the soups across the country. But then I realized, you know what, there's a huge Asian population in British Columbia.
3: Well, you know what, that's exactly that. We wanted just to acknowledge, oh, it's nice because they have this great, you know, uh, this great cooking that comes from the from the east and uh, from the west and and asia how can we celebrate that and by using the salmon that most of us eat from british columbia combined with uh with this you know blink of 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 the asian flavor we have something that is very modern it's not something that looks like anything else and it's it's beautiful. It's a soup you would serve if you want to entertain.
1: Yeah, it's a beautiful soup. And then I look at, for example, Manitoba, and I lived uh. there for a few years, and the soup you have um, to represent Manitoba is wild rice and duck confit soup, which sounds delicious.
3: If you go up north... I lived for three years in Saskatchewan, and it was kind of, and, and sometimes these two provinces, I wanted to, you know, what am I going to do to make them different and all that? Because up north, uh, Manitoba and Saskatchewan is the best wild rice in the world. And I've been lucky enough to go there a couple of times and, and to the harvest of, of the, the wild rice. And I wanted to do something. And also, I love to hunt, and we were going to there to hunt ducks. And I says, okay, let's let's do it, but differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, dark confit in a soup, you can you can make it yourself. It's so easy to do. Sometimes you can even just buy it at a grocery store. And then I wanted to just add the the wild rice to it, so it creates something that there's a link with the land. Same thing with with sketch one. I mean, we are feeding Middle East, India. Asia with with legumes and all these you know great beans but nobody knows around the world that everything they eat uh, when they think of any red bean whatever you want is from the plains so I wanted to celebrate that through barley and squash and broccoli soup but the barley was really the thing that really inspired me for that.
1: And I love that, you know, if we move across towards the East Coast, and of course mm-hmm. when I think East Coast, and that's where I grew up in Nova Scotia, I automatically think of the seafood, and that is well represented in the recipes that you have that reflect Nova Scotia and New Brunswick, well, Prince Edward know, you're Island. are
3: talking Nova Scotia. To me, this is one of the most beautiful picture. First of all, we never kind of really... Think of the Maradimes in the middle of winter. We can see the beaches. We can see, you know, the the parties, you know, outside. And and, but but a beach in the middle of winter to see these lobster cages on the dock, with the snow and everything. There's something very unique. And when I show these pictures of the Maradimes to my friends from different places in the world, but not from Canada, Mm -hmm. they were just mesmerized by this. Oh, my God, it looks so beautiful. I'd love to go there. And so in a sense, it says maybe I can even, you know, give... A chance to Canadians to travel inside our own country by looking at pictures and seeing food a different way that we kind of see it normally. And I tried once again, it says, okay, let's, let's mix, you know, this celery soup. So something really white where I can add some seared scallops on it with a crispy golden, you know, crust on top with just, you know, some, uh, some, some herbs and, and uh, spinach, you know, like Garnish. So you have the white, the green, the the crispy, golden brown crust of the sear scallops. It, it's a beautiful soup, too.
1: it's very, you know what? It's really stunning because, like you said, like the the green just sort of pops on top mm-hmm. of the soup and then you've got the beautiful juicy scallops as well. And of course, um, you know, what's great about a lot of these recipes, these soup recipes, um is that they really highlight the ingredients that I think a lot of Canadians are proud of. So you look at lobster, exactly. you look at mussels.
3: We never brag enough. I always say, you know, <laughs> Americans are really good to brag. Why don't yeah. we brag more about everything? You know, I mean we have. I mean, Prince Edward Island is such—it's such a small, little, unique place. But at the same time, they are kind of harvesting so many great things. And when you think of mussels, mussels are inexpensive, healthy, simple to prepare. You come back from work in about 15 minutes. You could be like—you could feel you are in a belgium restaurant with your mussels and and fries or or just this kind of soup that uses i mean i roast garlic Mm
2: -hmm. in
3: you know i start by roasting garlic slowly in butter then i will make this potato soup with the roasted garlic in you puree everything and you can just put a bit of white wine or chicken broth you cook you steam your mussel. you add you know some of the mussels straight in the soup keep some in their shell just to just to make it look really good and I like to with these soups it's nice to take a shallow bowl so it doesn't I mean nothing sinks to the bottom so you can actually make it looks like it's very artistic Mm -hmm. because you can put your scallops on top of the soup where you want with these fried you know slices of, of garlic and each time you will serve one of these bowl of soup You will have a story to tell, where it's from, how you got it, and all that. And on top of that, it's beautiful to look at, and it feels comfy. You won't be, I mean, it feels hot. And when I look at the soup from, uh, from Newfoundland, it's funny because in Quebec, pea soup is very popular. Yes. But in Newfoundland also, except they do something we don't, and it's just so good, they add a big dumpling in it. And oh, that this, sounds like
1: making something even better, yes,
3: because this piece of dough make it really like comfort I mean all of a sudden it it turns almost into soup. then your mom can call you and say, "Hey, what do you had? I had this great soup from Newfoundland with this great dumpling. In
1: it. <laughs> it's something to chew <laughs>
3: <laughs> exactly
1: well it sounds you know what they're all really beautiful recipes, and it's I think it's great because um your magazine, which is called Ricardo yep. uh, really you know features recipes that highlight what is available to us in Canada mm-hmm. in winter. So uh, you've got some beautiful recipes in there. I tried the crepe recipe already at the back of the magazine. I know it was Great. sort of like a kid-friendly recipe, yes, but
3: exactly. I ate
1: crepes for three days, Ricardo. <laughs> and, <laughs> but, and, and You know, that, that's
3: what I wanted. <laughs> I wanted a magazine that people would be proud, yeah. that would feel that, okay, I can do everything there because it's, it's made here in Canada thinking of us. At the same time, it has to be simple. It has to be inexpensive and it has to be, you know, quick because when we come back home, everyone wants to have a great meal. But at the same time, it's not weekend day every day. I mean, you need to have some good tips so you can have a great, flavorful meal with people you love and just, you know, be at a table with this family and, and enjoy it.
1: Yeah, it's, you know, a great recipe. So um, congratulations. Thank you for all the inspiration. And I'm Thank sure we'll so talk much. to you. We'll talk to you very soon. Thank you. Thanks. Have a great day. Thank you, you too. That's bye Ricardo bye. Uh, and from Ricardo Magazine. You may know him as well from a lot of uh, TV shows. And uh, after the break, yes, this is your chance to easily make Thai food at home, I'm giving away two Thai Kitchen gift baskets that will help give you a head start. And just a reminder that peichen.com is a website. If you want to catch up on any podcasts, you can find them there. You can also find them in iTunes. Uh, More after the break, including your chance to win these gift baskets. And Vinny is back. He's going to pop in. We'll see what he's been up to.
0: This is the Pay Chen Show on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010.
1: Welcome back to the show. Uh, Vinnie White is back from holiday. He will join me in 30 quick seconds, but I do have that giveaway. So I know that uh, many of you are anxiously wanting to create some Thai dishes at home. And I have two gift baskets from Thai Kitchen to give away, just to give you an idea of what's in these gift baskets. uh, They've got coconut milk, light and regular, uh, original pad Thai, green curry paste, plum sauce, spicy Thai chili, Fish sauce, coconut milk, peanut satay, jasmine rice. Uh, lots of good stuff if you want to start cooking and experimenting in your place. Now, earlier in the show, I was talking to Trevor Louie, who's opening up Campi. It's a Taiwanese snack bar, and he mentioned the area of Toronto where the restaurant is located. So the name of that area, you know, it's not the Distillery District, it's not Parkdale— he mentioned where it is. So... What does it uh, rhyme with? What, hmm?
0: what does it rhyme with? I'm
1: not going to say because I, I'm hoping people paid attention. What's the first and they, letter? Not going to tell you. 416-872-1010 is uh, the is number to call. Elliot will be fielding the calls. And um, the first two correct callers will win. And we will mail out these gift baskets to you so that you can experiment with some of these great ingredients yourself. Do you cook, Vinny? Like, have you ever used coconut milk or out Only on my body,
0: to rub on my uh, well, nipples. Well,
1: that, that is not the best way to use it, unfortunately. They're
0: very, um, they're not as taut as they used to be <laughs> as a result.
1: Well, uh, coconut milk and that sort of thing is delicious in food, not... Mm on your body True. unfortunately no I haven't
0: I, I drank <laughs> coconut milk last week whilst from yes. holiday from a coconut Ooh, which that's is nice. a lovely feeling but it no is. I've never used it in cooking oh yes I have I made a Thai green curry I put some in there I think. well
1: that's all the delicious things we're talking Thai food here with yeah, thai. so did, you yeah. did make a Thai green curry yeah
0: so a few years ago it went quite well yeah Little bamboo was it to shoots. impress someone well she didn't come back so it didn't work did it <laughs>
1: But you may well, it probably wasn't the food that didn't bring her back.
0: No, that's true. Probably, probably the, fact <laughs> the food that,
1: was probably delicious. Yeah. Your Thai green curry. The fact
0: that I served it all completely naked and didn't give her any warning. <laughs> and
1: then you rub the coconut milk on your body, and that was weird. And she was like, The food was good, but he was not great. Yeah. So I had to leave. Yeah. Um, welcome back. You were somewhere warm,
0: Nicaragua, which is very warm. Nice. Yep. And it was great. Uh, how did the show go while I was away? I hope you did a bad job.
1: I tried very hard to live up to your standards.
0: Well, that's not too tricky, is it? So, <laughs> so you're awake and sober.
1: Yeah, are you sober?
0: Most of the time. Wow, well, it's hard to tell sometimes. It's a fine line, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Is ten weird, beers drunk? Line. Does it matter? <laughs> Does it make the show better? What?
1: <laughs> um, I wanted to talk about this story that came up, uh, actually just the other day, and it's the story. It to me, it's unbelievable because I feel like this is the person who would win, like, Parent of the Year Award Mm. because it is so... And I don't have children. You don't have children that you know of. um, But surely we know better than this mother. Mm. So this is uh, Lincoln County. So this is in the States. Um, Well,
0: well, we're off to a good start. She's obviously insane.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, A six-year-old boy, Mm. his mother basically hatched a plan to have him kidnapped... And scared to teach him a lesson because uh, she believes that he's too nice to people. Um, let's keep in mind, he's six years old. Mm. So the six year old's mother, grandmother, and aunt are accused of staging a kidnapping, then holding him for four hours oh to teach God. him about stranger danger. So, listeners out there, you can text us 71010. Uh, I wanna know your reaction to this story. Like, they went to the extreme to teach a child how dangerous it is to, you know, accept a ride from a stranger, to be, you know, uh to believe them when they say we're going to take you to your family. So, this boy's um mother, they helped they found this 23-year-old guy who works at the local gas station. This guy waited for the boy to get off the school bus after school, then he managed to kind of convince the kid to go into his pickup truck. Right. Once the boy was in the truck, this 23-year-old, hired by his mother, but the boy doesn't know this. Right. This, this man, stranger, tells mm. the young boy that he'll never see his mommy again and that he would be nailed to the wall of a shed. This is the lesson his parents tried to teach him, or his mother tried it to teach him. It says here as
0: well, as the boy started to cry, the man showed him a handgun and told the child if he didn't stop crying, he would hurt him. Yeah. Now, at what point is that not criminal well even if it's an exercise
1: it's shocking to me that any that any half sane adult would even think you know what i want to teach my child about stranger danger so i'm going to scare the living daylights out of them yeah. and traumatize them so when the boy started to cry and he was shown this the gun um the guy kept driving the boy around in his truck but the, because the kid kept crying The guy tied the young boy's hands and feet with plastic bags. Then he covered his face so that he couldn't see. Then the boy, who was still blindfolded, he took him into a basement um, and he left them there. Then the boy's aunt... Came down, so what the young boy didn't know is, as far as he knows, he's been kidnapped by a man who has a gun. The man has now tied his hands and feet, taken him into a strange basement, but the boy does not realize he's actually in the basement of his own house. He doesn't recognize his aunt's voice when she comes into the basement. She, this is beyond disturbing. uh, The the boy's aunt removes his pants, tells him he could be sold into sex slavery, and then she lectures him because he didn't try to fight her off, and he didn't—he was scared, he didn't recognize her voice. So he was kept in this basement for a period of time, and then he was told to go upstairs. He goes upstairs, and then he realizes he's in his own house, his family is there, and then the family starts lecturing him about staying away from strangers. This is how they teach a lesson to a six-year-old boy. Anyway, they were all charged with felony kidnapping, um, abuse and neglect of a child, thank God. But can you imagine?
0: No, thankfully I can't. During the entire event, the four remained in contact by cell phone as they terrorized the boy. So they all like,
1: they, well, because probably the guy who picked him up in the truck was like, he won't stop crying. You know, you know, like he's probably panicked, right? Yeah. He's a young guy who just thought he had to get a boy into his car to teach him a lesson yeah, about accepting right from you, strangers. you say that
0: as if he didn't have the forethought to make a decision. Like if a woman came up to you and said, "Pay," I'm a bit worried my son's too nice. You've got a car, haven't you? Would you mind picking him up and... Um, and seeing
1: if he'll go with you.
0: Scaring the life out of him. Also, I'm going to pop down to the basement when he's tied up and remove his pants. Is that all right? Yeah. What would, what would you say to that?
1: I'd be like, oh, that, that sounds like a really good way yep. to instill a lesson into your child. Sure, I'll yep. do that. That's yep. great.
0: It's not criminal, is it? No,
1: I don't think so. Because it's a lesson. You know what? It's a lesson. And afterwards, when he realizes he's been kidnapped and he's in his own house, he's going to laugh. Yeah. It's going to be funny.
0: By that logic, you could say you might as well punch him in the face to teach him about violence.
1: Oh, my God. I know. It's, it is
0: it's, it's profoundly stupid, even by American standards.
1: <laughs> it just... Um, when I heard this story, I was so shocked because even just the first step, which is she had somebody fake kidnap him. I'm like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. But then it gets worse and worse and worse. And you just think, how could you as a parent um, yes. think that this any part of this plan will will teach him anything positive? Exactly.
0: And I, w- I wouldn't even use the word fake in that because how was it fake to him? As the victim, and he is a victim, and he's, yeah. he doesn't know that it's fake, so therefore it might as well not be fake. Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? If I'm hanging you off a cliff... And you're so scared and petrified that you are going to have repercussions for the rest of your life. And then afterwards I say, actually, it wasn't a real cliff. It was just a really clever <laughs> bit of virtual reality. And we made it look like a cliff. It, it doesn't wasn't... matter. You were still terrorised. Yeah. It, so it doesn't matter if it wasn't. You were, for all intents and purposes, hanging me off a cliff.
1: Yes. I yes. was
0: petrified. Henceforth, you essentially, in this case, uh, they, he was kidnapped. Uh, the four are being held in jail in lieu of a quarter of a million dollars bail.
1: Good. But then, how does that work? Because now, now he hasn't got a mum. So, well, his mum was pretty awful to begin with. So he's in—he's in, he's in uh, like child services, protective, like child care. Yeah. Which uh, you know what is better than the mum he had, in my opinion. Well, yes. So. True. They, they, good. Take him away from her because she's she's awful and terrible.
0: What lessons can we bring from this?
1: just that people are beyond stupid mm. is my what I got out I've of actually, it
0: I actually I'm I don't know what's happened to me recently I think it's just a matter of age I have almost zero toleration for stupid people I sat me I'm going to talk about it on my show I sat next to a woman that was stupid on the plane <laughs> and um you know when they offer you headphones and you don't yes. want them yes. well I took them I pretended to listen to music so I didn't have to listen to an absolute idiot.
1: Was she chatty Cathy? It drives me nuts. That's why I always put headphones in. I don't even have something playing. It's just because I don't want to do the, oh, are you from here? Are you going home? Are you what? People mean well, but I'm not in the mood to start small talk.
0: Yeah. The only time I've ever had it that I actually felt like I should be supportive, there was a woman and she hadn't traveled without her husband and her husband had recently died and she was finding the flight very difficult. And she said at the beginning, I just want to level with you. I'm I'm not very good at flying, and I find talking really helps. Would you mind if I had a chat? And I thought, actually, yeah, fair enough.
1: Oh, that's okay. I like that she kind of asked you. Yeah,
0: and and she was really quite entertaining. She was a really lovely woman. So that although it was transatlantic and it was seven hours,
1: did she talk the whole seven hours? I
0: got to know her pretty well, buddy. <laughs> 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. I felt for a late husband in many ways. Um, But uh, she was lovely. So that's kind of different. At least she said, look, I would like to do... But when you don't know what you're getting into with someone and you're sat with them for hours, she was just stupid. She said at one point, she said... Because she was talking about accents. She goes, I noticed you had an accent. We're on a plane Mm -hmm. from Nicaragua to... Where are we going? Atlanta. I think. First of all, you could argue everyone in the world's got an accent. Okay, and even if you don't believe in that argument, which was is Was she American? Yeah, of course she was. Yeah. She's, um, I think we could be fairly fairly reasonable in saying that most people on this plane, being that was half Nicaraguan, have got an accent. And we ended up talking, and I find talking about accents so boring, probably because I've lived here for 10 years, so the conversation is quite boring for me. Yes. Oh, my God, you got an accent. It's like, oh, shit. Let me up. guess where it's
1: from. Yeah.
0: And then they... Were, and you say, Are you Scottish? And Are you, you just, Irish? <laughs> That's Are it. you Australian? <laughs> That's what you do. Are
1: you... Yeah.
0: Yeah. I know and you. in the old days, I used to go, yeah, let's guess. It would be a great game. And i will go, London, let's stop that now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> big money, big money. Well, Vinny White is back. He's here until 10pm. Thanks for joining me tonight. Paychan.com is the website. Have a great night. I'll be back next weekend. Bye, Pay.
0: Thanks for filling in my show. Bye,
1: Vinny.